0: Hello and welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. The Red Hand provides next-level Ulster rugby coverage, offering fans unrivaled insight, unfiltered opinion, powerful stories, and accessible analysis. Every minute of every game is covered with weekly in-depth written articles, interviews with players past and present, analysis from rugby experts, and a podcast in which we preview and review Ulster's Games, and discuss all things Ulster Rugby. To gain full access, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash theredhand or visit
1: theredhand.co.
2: A lot of people who play or used to play rugby listen to this podcast. If you're struggling with an injury, lack of mobility, or some form of pain, that you've just got used to living with, then you need to get it sorted. Back to Better Physiotherapy is a physio practice I highly recommend. The practice owner John Quigg is extremely experienced. He's worked with professional sports teams such as Ulster Rugby and Middlesbrough Football Club. Back to Better provide physiotherapy, massage treatment, personal training and rehab. They also have an ice bath and sauna in-house, which are fantastic for recovery and health. They're located at the Building Box Gym in East Belfast. Book using Instagram at Back to Better Physiotherapy, or type their number into your phone now: zero seven five six eight five thirty triple two. That's zero seven five six eight five thirty triple two. Get in touch with them and get your aches
0: and pains sorted. Welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. If you're struggling to work out how to feel after the game at the weekend, then you're not alone. We lost, but. They will really win when you consider the performance exceeded all expectations the answer of course is no your outlook in the game will depend on whether you're a glass half empty or a glass half full type of person half of ulsters fan base is choosing to focus on the glass being partly full with several impressive performances an early lead and a spirited performance from a heavily rotated ulster side the other half of ulsters fan base is choosing to focus on what's missing from the glass namely the ability to hold and lead and the fact we lost to Connacht side who were there for the taking whatever your view of the game hope you enjoy listening to the podcast as we attempt to make sense of ulster are the glass half full brigade delusional Are the glass half empty crew simply world weary keyboard warriors there's only one way to find out and that's by discussing it with our panel hopefully in the next 45 minutes to an hour we'll figure out what's going right or wrong with ulster i'm joined by regular panelists jack Ian, and fergus and making a special guest appearance this week is Conor Fan and host of the excellent Master of None podcast, Stephen Murphy. We also hope to be joined by Monster fan Caelan Scully from the Caelan S Rugby podcast and the Red Army pod to give us an insight ahead of the Ulster Munster game on Friday night. So there's loads to get through, so we'll get stuck straight in. Now, this first wee bit I want to do because I think a lot of us struggle to sort of make sense or summarize your thoughts in that game so i think the best way to do it just to gauge where everyone's at is to get a one-line summary of the game so if you can sum it up in one sentence this is a real test of your ability to be concise so jack can you sum up that game for us in one sentence
3: uh, no probably not but uh we'll give it a lash anyway but no i was thinking about this and i was uh kind of kind of think of a good one-liner It probably would be that um despite Ulster's pretty Titanic first half defensive efforts and probably up until about 60 odd minutes they were unable to uh get the job done partly due to Connacht's uh attack finally kind of clicking and aided by the uh the wicked wind of the West uh Connacht were able to uh run out in the end uh worthy victors maybe my. It's not really one line, but it's really <laughs> close. <laughs> I, I, I know it's it's nearly impossible, which is why I thought we'd <laughs> make
0: you all well try to do that. So Ian, can you do it in any in one sentence, do
4: well, I think? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. If you must lose, uh there needs to be enough positives taken from the game to outweigh any disappointments. And I believe we achieved enough positives to outweigh the disappointments excellent a few commas in there to to lengthen that one sentence
0: but I think he did it <laughs> I think he did it successfully so um Fergus uh do you want to have a crack at summarizing that game for us I, I was going to keep mine very brief just
5: because I, I read the one one sentence memo so I was going to say pleasantly surprising but ultimately as expected <laughs> it's like it's like a paradox in terms you're like File is fair and fair is fine You should have gone
0: for that. <laughs> makes no sense. But just one one i want let it Shakespeare. I don't I don't read Shakespeare. That makes sense. <laughs> well, uh Stephen, I as you know, Steven's a iconic a fan, so we might have a slightly different take on oh, us. Stephen, can you summarize that? Yeah. I
6: I'm I'll try not to do like, you know, the top of the league having a laugh kind of English chant because uh part of me does want to do that and I've been doing it all week. Uh, my one would probably be Winning ugly is a sign of a good team. Dot dot dot. Hopefully, nice. I think is where I'm at with the Connacht side of things.
0: Nice. So full of optimism um, and a wee bit of yeah. uncertainty there as well. So uh, uh, fair enough. And look, I think that gives us a good gauge of of how we all felt about it. It was funny reading the forums after the game. Some people were very much McFurland out, can't beat Connacht. Whenever we have a seven point lead, some people are saying great performance, great to see young guys. Um, uh, uh, sort of put their hands up for selection there so um, in terms of the story of the game I thought it would be good actually Stephen um, given you're giving us a bit of an outside perspective we love to get an outside perspective in this pod um, for people who didn't see it we're very uh, ulster tinted glasses here so um, can you give us a summary of a game from your perspective
6: yeah it was a strange one um, it really was the old cliche of a game two halves Um like from a Connacht point of view, going into the game, you know, we were saying on, on my podcast, uh, and I was tweeting as well, like this was a real litmus test for Connacht because we'd won the first two games pretty convincingly. We think we're a decent side, we've a decent squad, but then, you know, you should beat this Ulster team with the way that maybe form's going, but you know, Connacht have made Sports Grand a tough place to come and play and to get a win. And to honest, there was a bit of unfinished business after last year's the twenty third of December, that game where, like, I don't know how Connacht still didn't win that game. Ulster, you know, stole a game from us, and and rightly so, they, they deserved it. But our, a lot of fans were pissed off after that game because it was a classic Connacht kind of just couldn't have shit the bed more game. So it was nice, you know, going to this game thinking we should win, and I was pretty confident that they would win, and then the first half happens and you're like, this is it. This is just a classic kicking the balls now for a Connacht fan. They've been playing well when it comes to an Interpro at home. They've, they've not shown up. There's, there's errors, compounding on errors. It's one step forward, two steps back. Um, and then, of course, second half kicks off and it uh, was a Shanahan scored within within a minute. And Ooh. you're like, okay, this is it. 20 points to three down. I, I I'll be honest with you, I didn't see a path back into the game at all. Uh, and then it, it sort of turned around and the momentum started to build. And as as Jack kind of said, the attack started to click. And it's a new attack, I'm sure, under Mark Sexton, and which is, I'm sure, exciting. But it's going to take more than two or three games for it to fully sink in. Uh, you have a lot of new coaching staff. I think only really Pete Wilkins and, and Cully Tucker remains from last year. Um, and we, we sort of just broke Ulster down slowly and surely. And uh, what it really was a good sign from a Connick point of view was we took the lead we, you know with with plenty of time left for for normally for Connacht to really you know throw it away <laughs> which we are very familiar with here in Connacht uh, and they tried their best with that line-out. once that line-out went long and also got the ball i was like here we go we're, we're in heartbreak central here uh, but they didn't and uh, that's a real sign i think of a team that's maturing it's it's adding in the the experience of the likes of a Joe Joyce here he has been absolutely incredible for us uh, mixed with a lot of really young talented players in Ireland or and Connacht come out on top um was it was it a good performance? Probably not, but it's it's an interpro win. Um, it's a third win on the bounce. Their best season start, I think, as Kailan informed me after uh, last week's game. Our best season start since uh, 2014, fifteen Um, and there's a real sense of optimism around the club at the moment. Now, how long will that last? Who knows? Obviously, I'm not getting away with ourselves. I still think you know our our, our season targets are our season targets, but. Um, it was a it was an ugly win, and I've sat for the last three or four years doing a podcast, always complimenting Munster for winning ugly, Leinster for winning ugly, ugly, and at Ulster times, winning ugly. So I'm not going to not take that chance to talk about Connacht in that sense as well, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, it's. Uh... It's interesting to hear you talk about the optimism that there is around Connett at the minute. In some ways, that contrasts with the uh, the atmosphere in the, the the Ulster fan base. Now, that's not universal, but there's. Um, I just think having lost a few players last season that didn't bring that many in. There's that sense of are, are we building towards something? Maybe after that game, there's there's more of that sense. But in maybe from an Ulster perspective, just briefly, do you want to give? Maybe a summary of your thoughts and expectations going into that game, as well as how you felt after it.
4: I think, like everyone, um, we were going into the game with with uh, little expectations, but I'll always back the team to to get a result. I'm, I'm, I'm a, quite an optimist when it comes to Elster Rugby. Um, so I, I can see why people thought that we were going to go down there and get and, and get beaten. Uh, but uh, you know I always think to um you know games like La-, La Rochelle away last year uh you know where you're expected to go and get a hammering and and the guys just put their heads down and put in a performance for you um seeing the team and then losing addison before the kickoff uh it was going to be a massive achievement to come away with with the points uh yes we did uh, we did front up very well for for fifty minutes, 50, 55 minutes. Um and uh I think a wee bit of disruption came then when we lost uh particularly when we lost James Hume uh and um uh we allowed Connor to get back into the game by giving away a couple of penalties. Uh and Jack Carty did what he what he normally does. He kicks so superbly well, whether that be just kicks uh to you know to, to gain some some yards or, or some of his of his uh, line kicks and, and obviously his crossfield kicks, uh, really really good. And when Cardi's on that sort of form, um, Connaught are a different team. I think uh, you know he motivates them to 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 just to play at a at, at three or four percent more than what they what they normally do. Um, what we did, uh, uh, we committed to everything. Uh, at, and and right throughout the game, uh, whether it was tackles or breakdown battles, and our set piece was a was a lot more solid, I thought, than than it had been previously. Uh, and and that was one of the areas where we we highlighted last week uh, on the podcast that you know we, we feel that we're still a bit light in the in the front five, <clears throat> but we showed in the in the set piece that we can compete. Um, good it conna- uh, forward uh, pack uh, probably just lacking one player We, um, I think maybe if you look at ours had we two that would be normal starters uh, in, in our pack so uh, I, I thought they did very well to compete uh, in that respect I thought some of the guys some of the young guys uh, showed some, uh, some great skills uh, on, on their offloading uh, game Looked as if it's 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 coming on. So, yeah. All in all, little expectations, but delighted to come away with a point at the end. Uh, you know, we'll go into the why's and wherefores of of uh, of losing the the um, seventeen point lead. Um, but I think listening to the guys at halftime on the TV, uh, Ferris did say that he thought it was at least a ten point wind uh, that we're playing into. So. Um, you know I thought that myself I thought um, uh, you know we were playing with that wind in the first half and, and maybe should have had gone in uh, with a bigger lead at half time um, so yeah I'll leave it to others to to, to elaborate on that, yeah,
0: yeah, I, yeah. I think I think have you, hit the nail on the head there. The way and the trick of being an Ulster fan is to go in with very low expectations, and then we'll be delighted if, if we do okay, do you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, I, I just
4: think it was a performance, uh, Peter, that 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 made it for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, as I said in the in the one sentence earlier on, you know, if you have positives that you can take out of a game that outweigh the disappointments, then, you know, uh, let's get on to the next one
0: yeah yeah, no, I mean that's true of all sport to be fair any any game even watching Ireland I always went in thinking oh they'll lose this one even if it's Romania or someone go oh don't know don't know about this <laughs> 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 They could spring a surprise on us but um, no, like at, at the same time it was a good performance and Jack uh, well Ian's a proper Ulster fan he predicted that they would win I think last week if I'm right uh, Jack on the other hand uh, slammed Ulster sensationally last week said they would lose no <laughs> Jack's very positive, as we know. But, Jack... But, crucially, say,
3: but crucially, I'm right. So, that's what... Crucially, you're right. Exactly.
0: So <laughs> can't, can't argue that. But how did that match... Uh, how did that game match up with your expectations? And you sort of said Ulster might lose pre-game. What made you think that last week?
3: Yeah, I just think... I just think... give. Give Connacht the kind of respect they they deserve at the sports ground. Like they they have really you know made it a place that's just hard to win. I think you know Stephen said that you know by it's it's um, what is it is it like eight, eight out of or seven out of eight matches I think on a row or seven in a row. Uh, Connet, they haven't month?
6: lost they haven't lost a league game in twenty twenty three in, in sports ground.
3: So I mean like phenomenal record anyway. But I think just from a from an Ulster kind of perspective, it was. It was a really kind of threadbare squad. By the end of it, I mean the the initial squad update was that you know uh, Cormac Treadwell and um, someone else forgetting, but you know only only a few guys minutes missing. So you thought, okay, well Stockdale, Balakun, you know Addison, they'll all play. Hume and might you know Hume might you know uh, link up with Possilfuite again, but it didn't, didn't turn didn't turn out to be like that at all. So um, the decks were really you know sort of shuffled um and you know make of that what you will but you know they they fronted up really really well and that first half was just exceptional I mean there were a few errors there was a few line breaks and, and Conant probably should have finished them off but you know Stuart Moore played excellently got got a few turnovers Dave McCann did as did that as well so you know just in terms of the effort and the execution of what they wanted to do it was really really pleasing and that that was that was sort of exactly what I wanted but I didn't say that I probably expected it but um I just thought that you know to go down there and win with you know a whole raft of changes from the week before is is probably a tall sort of order and not to put too fine a point on it but you know the first um six or seven games of of the season you know aren't, aren't that important as you know monster fans will uh, attest to uh last year you know, whether they lose sort of six, seven out of the first eight and um and you know, they go on a run at the end of the season and win it. So, you know, not just win it, win the whole win the whole thing. So, you know, I'm 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 pleased that the that the level of performance has been there over the last kind of three weeks in terms of at least aspects of the game um that are that are going well. So what was really pleasing to see was was the was the defensive effort and you know um playing playing in Galway it's always tough you always have to play a bit of positional rugby as well so that was the one thing that was lacking so um all in all I'm I'm I'm, I'm one of the more delusional uh, Ulster fans this week thinking it's all it's all rosy because that level of performance was was the best one yet so hopefully it just continues in that manner and we keep making those little incremental improvements to, to each game so yeah. reasons to be cheerful yeah that's all I want to say is progress and look there was there was progress in the sense
0: that like he- as you say heavily rotated squad better performance um and you can't really ask for much more than that we will not will not um talk too much about Munster cuz Kaelen has joined us and he's been tweeting for the past 168 days or something like that uh, <laughs> about Munster being a URC champion so we will not give him any more material to um <laughs> to, to to blue smoke but um, in terms of um, the balance that we bring in this podcast, it's time for too good, too bad. So we're going to look at two positives uh, from a game at the weekend, maybe two negatives or things to improve as well. So, Fergus, can you bring us the, the too good and too bad emerging from that game?
5: Yeah, I did say I'd have a musical sting ready for this week, but I haven't quite got it finished yet. I'm just laying some and bass down for it, for next week.
0: Yeah, you just about turned um, up on time, so like... Uh, here, here <laughs>
5: I mean. It can't, yeah. it can't <laughs> work me on Zoom, so I had to come here in person, um, like in, in the olden days, gentlemen. But um, yeah, too good, too bad. It was a bit of a mixed bag, so um, reasonably easy to get both. The good, we've already touched on the first good, you know, a very generalized one is the defense. Um, you really couldn't fault the defensive effort, and I suppose you could twist that and say there's a lot of defending to be done because Connaught certainly had the overwhelming territorial advantage, a lot more possession. Um, but Ulster, at moments, whenever in the past maybe they would have crumbled under a lot of pressure, the defense really stood up. I think a big part of that, so Dave McCann. I thought was fantastic when he came on. Um, obviously coming on after what about forty seconds. Reuben Crawlers, a player I don't know only from commentary, they're saying is the captain of the Irish under twenties team. uh, the one the under twenties World Cup. Which I'm sure he's a massive prospect. But it, it, it struck me watching that it's exactly what would happen to most of us if we started like a a professional game of rugby. You know, about forty seconds first contact bang sparked out. But it was it was good because it showed. Concussion protocol in rugby actually gets followed because without going off on too much of a tangent, I watched Manchester United, which wasn't much fun at the weekend. And Harry Maguire, after about the same amount of time, took a bang to the head and they had a look at him, said he was all right. He then started like doing daft things. Um, The referee asked him to look looked at again. He got checked again, said he was definitely all right. It was a I bit like that's like, just Harry Maguire, isn't it? And that's what that's was going to say like yeah
1: I know that's, that's, to that's say answer. Answer.
5: it was like that uh father ted episode when father stone got struck by lightning and the doctor said hey, it doesn't look too good and he's <laughs> like no no that's, that's totally normal like, he doesn't respond to stimuli stimuli um so it was good yeah but Ruben Quillers at least he reappeared he'll have his day again and he has a bright prospects so we didn't get seen him but dave mccall when he came on was excellent Um I think, from an Ulster point of view, he probably, hadn't played the whole game, was the man of the match. He did give a couple of penalties away, but that was sort of on account of him being there at every breakdown. He just always said, that this tackle count must have been astronomical. And he turned over a lot of ball. Um, so I thought he was excellent. I thought another wee point to take away from our conversation last week, we were talking about a few breaks uh, being made in the Bulls game and no support runners being there. Um, and as Chance would have it um, in this game, that's how the two tries came. There was two breaks. The first one was by Harry Sheridan in the first half, and then Jake Flannery was there on the shoulder, um, support man. Um, Dave Shannon was also there on the other side, giving an option. And then second half, uh, the break was made, uh, by Aaron Saxton, and he again right in the shoulder was Shannon. So I thought I thought Shannon was a real positive. I'm quite a, I'm a fan of like a wee short scrum half. You know, just those wee annoying characters like a wee Jack Russell carrier, just always nipping away at your heel and just... Go. Craig Casey.
6: Yeah, very <laughs> like A massive fan of Craig Casey, yeah.
5: You need a wee bit of that small man syndrome. It just makes it really busy. Just busy about the pitch. And uh, his support run was excellent. And his speed, getting the ball away, was just that wee... I'm not, I'm not saying he should be ahead of the pecking order, ahead of Duke, but a very different sort of scrum half. I mean, if you're you liking uh, Duke to Connor Murray, that more style of out half, Shannon gives you a different option. So I thought... The decisiveness of... Uh, they also didn't have many chances in the game, but those two breaks, they made a try from both of them, and that's what got them close to having a chance of victory. Um, the two bad, I suppose a glaringly obvious one, and it's difficult in a windy night, but uh, also whenever you change so many personnel on your team, it's difficult, but the line-out for Ulster didn't really function. Um, they didn't win much clean ball. They lost at least five of their own throws. But again, I think that's a consequence. When you're making so many changes in the pack, you can't be all that well drilled. The combinations, I'm sure, they're just not quite used to them. Uh, it's probably a difficult night because Connard lost a few as well. So the line being an obvious bad. And then uh, the second bad, it was, more like, it was more like a moment. And again, purely Ulster perspective, I find it hard to watch games. It's always interesting hearing input from from other, other supporters, other fans, because I don't ever think of it from like Connor's perspective. I know they had a frustrating game. But... Um, and they, you know, Conrad ultimately deserved the win, no doubt about it, but there were three moments. The first one was the, had a missed kick by Flannery from the penalty, would have made such a difference, would have given them an extra lead. And I suppose if you look at the final scoreboard, would have been enough to win the game. But the real moment that was like head and hands was when Ethan McIlroy took that ball on the inside off Flannery. He broke, all he had to do was give a simple inside pass, Um, I think it was Aaron Saxon alongside him. But he threw a mispass Mm -hmm. on a windy night and he didn't need to do it. And it sailed over the head if he ever was on the wing and the chance was gone. And that was just a crucial time in the game when things were starting to go against us Momentum momentum starting to shift. And he just got almost like overexcited, Ethan McIlroy. I suppose I think the commentators again sort of covered it off and said, well, he doesn't play a lot of games. He's maybe sort of almost overexcited to be in the side there. And he just, you know, he's nearly snatching at that chance. But as a moment, that was a bad moment. Because that could have actually won the game for Ulster. Because from memory, you're probably talking about the 65th minute or something like that. It would have been a crucial time to score. And uh yeah, sexton was in. Um, so yeah, that's your second bat.
0: Yeah, so like there, there's um lineouts is, is something which yeah, we did struggle with uh, particularly early on. I think uh Jack's helpfully put up there four lineouts lost for Ulster, and Connor only lost one. Um, so that does make a difference, you know. Um, in the grand scheme of things, Killen, turn to you now.
1: Yeah, um, good to be back on. Firstly, Peter. Um you? good to good to start with an Interpro too? You know that 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 little bit of spice is it's always a good start. But just to to pick up on one of the points made, like I thought, halfback was a really interesting part for Ulster because I've spoke about last season about you know when Ulster's pack started to get dominated as they kind of did from was uh, when we said the hour marker there thereabouts when when the screw started to turn that's when Fla- um not flannery um burns and doak came in and they probably struggled to deal with it but on the flip side of it give credit where it's due Dave Shanahan you know I thought he had one of his best games in Ulster shirt the other night he was really really impressive and I thought Jake Flannery ran the game really well as well and it I think this is what we were crying out for last year was give the lads a chance to show that they can put their hand up to get into the 23 in the first place. Mm. And they did that in a big game against like two internationally capped halfbacks against a conic pack that most people have said was better on paper. You can't really ask for much more from, from those two as well. And just to touch on on set piece, and maybe this is leaning a bit too much on Munster as well, but just James French, a lot gets talked about it, about him at scrummaging time. From what I've heard, there's people in Munster who still believe he's a better loose head than tight head, but I'm not the man to tell you the difference between tight head and loose head scrummaging because I'm about, I don't know, maybe 60 kg too light maybe <laughs> to have any clue. But it's it's definitely up for discussion. Um, I think he looks a little bit vulnerable there. But, you know, if this weekend we see Andy Warwick going to tight head, which, is, which has been talked about by some people, I wouldn't be concerned from an Ulster perspective because I think he's just the definition of lock it out, Scrummager, mm-hmm. which is good. And I think Ulster Seppi will it'll come good. It'll come better as the season goes on. It's been a shaky start, but I wouldn't be too upset about it. It's worrying. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think they'll, I think they'll right the wrong, especially with the likes of Herring to come back in and, and Henderson as well
0: yeah no absolutely uh james rents is a good point like I, I wasn't sure about him and i think we had issues pre-season uh tight head and that's continued obviously with marty moore being out Tom O'Toole and uh, not being available as well um and then we're down to third third or fourth choice um tight head I, I always remember it was jason leonard just to sit come on always explain to the ref, look, ref, I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm not going to do anything wrong. So you're not going to penalise me. And I used to think, how unambitious is that? But the older you get, you're like, that's exactly what you want. <laughs> that's just, I mean, you're not going to destroy people on the scrum. You're not going to move backwards. Andy Wart will give that to you as well. I know he's, he's primarily a loose head, but he can go over. He's just he's just a technician and will be able to... to slip over to the tight head and do, do a job for us there. So I think that's a sensible choice um, this weekend. In terms of, we're talking about forwards already, Ian. Um, I'll just turn to you now. And get, uh, Could you give us a, an assessment of the pack on Saturday? Maybe pick out a few names. How would they get on? Was there anyone who stood out to you?
4: Right, just uh, uh, on the uh, team French, um, uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, Dennis Buckley, who I have massive... Uh, um, uh, respect for. I think he's he's been one of the, the uh, top uh, loose heads and uh, and certainly in our league for the past seven or eight years. Uh, and when I saw him complaining to the referee that a three or four cap tight head was getting under his skin, I thought, "Good for you, Mister French." And um, so th- that would have been one of my goods if I had had a chance to to do the two goods and two bads. I really enjoyed that wee bit. Yep. Um, Look, we're still light in the front row, there's no doubt about that. Um I thought Eric O'Sullivan coming back in. Um his form has been very patchy and obviously we, we know that he was capped uh, a couple of seasons ago and we thought there was gonna be big things for him. But I thought he carried a bit better on uh, on Saturday uh or Friday night than than uh than he had done um previously. So you know, that was a, a, a bit of a positive there. Uh, there wasn't a lot between the two uh, front rows in the scrums. I think there were sort of penalties and free kicks given equally against uh, against both uh, both of those. Um, we're going to see Herring back, uh, whether that be starting or whether that be on the bench um, against Monster. And, um, you know, Herring is a massive player for us. Uh, he steadies the scrum um, and he has a technique about him that gets results. Um, his line out work, I wouldn't say it's any better or any worse than Tom Stewart's. But I, I, again, uh, you know, you have confidence in him when, he, when he's there. Uh, but I think the, the, the big plus for us will be getting handy back uh, and getting a fit handy back by the look of things. Um, we we haven't had a, a you know a prolonged run for him for the past couple of seasons and you know for Ulster to do well I think over the course of the next six or eight weeks we need uh, Ian Henderson at his, at his very best and then it's a question of who you pair with him in the second row and, and if we have, if we have the guys fit you know you you've uh, Treadwell performing well uh, you as a chick we starting to perform well. Uh, And I really like the cut of uh, young Sheridan. And I think uh, I'd nearly make a prediction that come uh, January time that Henderson-Sheridan will be our first choice uh, second row. Uh, Back row stocks are pretty good. Um, And and Dave Ewers, I think, should be back again at the weekend. Uh, And then uh, it's who you play at seven. Do you continue with McCann at seven? uh and timony at eight, eight. Um you have options. You could have marks Ray at seven, you could have even uh McCann at eight, Timothy on the bench. So I think the back rows uh, uh, is exciting enough. Um so that's that's from a forward point of view. Yeah. Um McCluskey coming back in again hopefully as well. Uh and I see that Luke Marshall he's um he's back uh, uh training again so um if James Hume is out, then you know you could McCLUSKEY MARSHALL uh, against Monster at the weekend. Yeah, so we're go- we're going to cover that
0: slightly later on, but may as well do it now. You named a few guys there, like Ruben Cruthers is out. Would have loved to see, as Fergus said, would have loved to see him play because he is, I think, the back roof featuring. Crothers, McCann and um maybe even Sheridan I mean that's probably Ulster's future back row. you'd have to say Sheridan might be a more natural six um slot in there so th- three supremely talented young players and um hopefully he's he's not out for too long um yeah you, you've uh, Balakun, Cooney, Angus Curtis, uh yours, as you say, is it Chukwu, Marshall, Possellweight, Stockdale, and Treadwell all being monitored this week? So it's basically saying right, we might spring a surprise on Munster and have a number of these guys back, mind games okay. starting already. Um, but they're not uh they're not committing to, to having them back. And then there was Ireland guys as well, which is massive. And we'll turn to the talk a wee bit about the backs here, Jack. Um, what did you make of the back line against Connaught? Did anyone sort of impress you or otherwise?
3: Yeah, the back line performed pretty well. Like like we talked about nine and ten, they had a, a fairly good amount of ball that we could uh, kind of judge them on. I don't th- I don't think you could say much about sort of the back three because they didn't really have much ball to play with. But in in saying that, you know, they performed okay. But you know, for not having much ball, like we said earlier. Um, you know, being clinical. I think it was about four entries, another twenty-two, Um, so getting getting two tries, get a few penalties here and there. You know, that's pretty good in terms of your in terms of your attack. So you gotta be pretty happy with that. I'm still a little bit of a, I don't know if it's harsh, but I I am a little bit of a critic on on Aaron Sexton. I don't mean to be mean to the guy, but I just think that you know he needs to he needs to add more to his game than just being ridiculously fast. Because um, there was a few occasions where I thought. He needs to get on top of some of these kick chases. You know, if you're that quick, you're gonna be able to, you know, get there quicker than most. So you should be able to put some pressure on the on the fullback, but I still haven't really seen that from him. But uh, um Shanahan is doing exactly what I don't think Doke kind of gives us, which is that just quick ball off the deck, bang, get it to the 10 straight away. You know, you might not the 10 might not even be ready for it, but that's not that's not your problem as a nine, as a nine, get the ball out straight away um and you know support line shanahan strikes again um so all we need to say on that stuart moore was excellent in the center made a really crucial turnover after a break james hume continues to just be solid as a rock i really like the look of ben moxham i think he's a really solid player um but just needs to develop more i think if he as long as he gets more minutes i think he'll be i think he'll be great and ethan mcelroy for all the good that he did and for all the meters that he made um the one thing you have to execute is a two on one. So that was really, really um annoying. Uh I think my wife had to tell me to calm down when I had to stood up and you know they put the window through because you just don't you just don't mess that up. And you know it's a pre-planned move and Flannery's done well to call that and he's seen something in the defense and he's pulled them back the other way um and you know created the space line break and like uh like we said earlier that's a really crucial time in the game where Connor are getting back into it. if we score then we're we're right in it um we probably win the game to be honest with you um but um you know the backline was good but that's a that's a that's a pretty makeshift sort of backline a lot of sort of late, late changes as well you know um with with Addison going out I think that really kind of upset the kind of apple cart from the from the backline point of view because he adds a bit of solidity and 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 just sort of calm things down and i don't think you know i think Ethan was a, it's a great 15 but i just don't think he has that natural ability to manage a game from 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 15 as well so you need a bit more leadership in that sort of in that sort of sense and um kind of mirroring what Kaylin said uh, towards the end of the game you're hoping that Doki and burns come on and kind of guide Ulster back into the territory game and 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 get us just playing a bit more boring rugby, like just win the game at that point. You know, you're a few points ahead. Just just try and manage um, and um, and just, yeah, just try and cruise your way to a win rather than trying to throw it away, which is, you know, throw it away. But, you know, unfortunately, we had a good enough lead. We should have um, we should have held on to it. But, um, Overall, you could be pretty happy with a lot of young guys. there playing. playing. Um, That's pretty good. Pretty good rugby. So, yeah, was 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 a fair game. I thought. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I think Shanahan's pretty underrated. You know, he's sort of been in the periphery for quite a long time, and then he comes in, does a great job. he he always has. You know, he always speeds up the game, and I think he gets overlooked because. Maybe he's too old school, as Fergus is saying. He's that sort of um breed of scrum half. You don't see so much anymore. We switch to our ruin peenars or Nathan Dokes, slightly um slightly bigger guys, but um or Cooney sort of runs the game you know, himself. He sort of takes charge. Whereas uh, um in terms of um in terms of Shanahan, he he just he just comes in does it does exactly what he says in the tins, you know, and, and what we're supposed to be doing, playing quick rugby. He facilitates that. Um, so turning to the Connacht guys, uh, Stephen, um, in terms of the individuals in the Connacht team uh, on Saturday, who are the players really exciting you for Connacht at the minute? Because obviously, look, we don't get the some of us don't get the, the time to watch them every week. So, who who are the key guys this season?
6: Yeah, I'll pick a few. There's a few that uh, really, as you say, excite me. I'll start with the hooker Dylan Tierney Martin. Um, he's only he's still only young. He's come through the Connacht Academy. Um, and he's he's been really really good so far. He's come in and kind of made that two Jersey zone. Um, and he's absolutely fearless. Uh, I watched him against Glasgow the last week, almost singling out uh, Ollie Kebble. Uh, just because Ollie Campbell seemed to be the biggest guy in the pitch, and Dylan Tierney wanted a wanted a piece of him, and that was it. Like he just seemed to go after him at rough time, um, because he's not the biggest man in the world. He's a bit probably like the, he's probably like the Craig Casey kind of saying earlier on, where he probably uh, wants to make up for maybe a lack of height. But yeah, uh, he's been brilliant, and the lineup has been incredibly solid with him. So, um, he's doing nothing wrong in in, in that point of view either. Uh, Joe Joyce has come in and been a revelation for us. Um, he's played every game so far. Uh, I think he deserves some rest. I think he'll probably see him rested this week, but. Uh, he's brought a level of a kind of just a kind of calmness uh, and a real leader uh, coming over from Bristol uh, and he's just a bloody good rugby player uh, and he's big and he's, he's not afraid to throw himself about uh, and he's I think uh, uh, some of Connacht's defensive system this year I've been really really impressed with I think he's a big part of that um, and he's just been fantastic. Keen Prendergast again we have to highlight him his 50th cap uh, there for Connex at the weekend and he's I'm sure he was probably shocked that there wasn't an injury during the World Cup. I'm sure he was waiting by the phone with the bags packed. Um, and he, I'm sure he couldn't believe it when there was no calls at all. Uh, but he's come back and he's probably he looks like he's gained five to ten kilos of pure bulk. Uh, he looks absolutely massive in person. Um, and he sort of he's rounded a bit of his game. He was definitely raw last year. Uh, he was a bit of a penalty merchant, and refs probably were given a bit of a a, a bit of a a name for himself. Um, and he seems to have cleaned it up a little bit, and he's taken probably all the good parts of getting a young lad into an Irish camp. You've seen it now with Prendergast because he's come back and he's just a different, a different beast altogether. Um, I have to highlight Dermot Kilgallen again. I think that's ten tries in nineteen appearances. Um, similar to what I think Jack was saying with um, uh, who he saying Aaron Sexton, incredibly pacey, um, but has that finish and touch about him already for a, a man so young. Um, he's good on the good under the high ball again. Pretty calm and seems to take his chances when they when they you know present themselves. Uh, I, I hope I'd love to see when uh, when we get our internationals back uh, and when John Porch comes back. I'd love to see a back three of Mac, Jim Mcgallan and John Porch full back. I think that would be incredibly exciting. Uh, hopefully, we see that soon. Um, and then finally, I'll highlight Carl Ford. I think everyone in the country now knows who Carl Ford is. Uh, whereas obviously last year, maybe not so much. Um, he's been absolutely incredible. He's only twenty one years old. Um And he's probably going to, similar to what uh, Prendergast did, I'd say he'll probably gain another five kgs of bulk in the next year or two, just because he fills into his frame. Um, I don't know if it's like blissful ignorance of youth that he's playing so well. I don't know if he realizes what he's doing uh, and how good he is at the moment, but let's hope that remains that way. Uh, And I'd love to see him, obviously he has to keep that form going, but I'd love to see him in that sort of similar thing with Prendergast a couple of years ago, where... If, if Farrell does some sort of a development squad for a Six Nations, I'd love to see Ford in there because not only does it think it's great for the for the Irish kind of pack to have new faces in there, but you see what it does to like gas when he comes back and he's almost twice the player. Um, I think, he, I think he's that good. But look, it's, it's been three games. We might be getting a bit ahead of better ourselves uh, with that, but he's been brilliant so far and long may continue. And he can kick the ball as well off the tee, which is a nice little trait as well. So yeah, there's a the few kind of young and up-and-comers and players so far that I've really been excited by.
0: Uh, it's good to hear. For the sake of Irish so, uh, rugby, do you know the past couple of episodes have been that World Cup hangover? But it's good to hear. Do you know about the guys coming through at Connacht as well? We've talked a lot about the guys also obviously. Um some, some uh guys we can be really hopeful about and might turn into the next big thing. Um but uh yeah, no, across the provinces, like there's some some real talent coming through there. So like next World Cup's ours, I think. Um <laughs> I don't think I'm speaking too soon um uh, in saying that. like in terms of I want to turn now to talk to our in-house attitude guru, um Fergus, he was talking about sort of the the Shifting mentality for Ulster from the really poor start that we had despite the win, I suppose, against Zebra, and uh, to a, a better performance against the Bulls. and Ulster's attitude this week was a tricky one because, like, on the one hand, great sort of improved performance, and then on the other hand, you have a 17, a 17 point lead that was lost. So, what do you take away from that in terms of Ulster's mentality? Yeah, I actually think. The attitude was probably the best thing about Ulster's
5: performance this week. I think uh, I watched a wee bit of the pre-match coverage and via play, um, which I was watching through legal means just to clarify. Um, and pre-match, they were they were talking. I think it was Stephen Ferris when he saw the the lineup. He he immediately predicted an Ulster defeat. And I think I probably I wasn't watching it live, but if I seen that side, I would have predicted the same thing. You know, you look at that, and it's almost like. The coaches have decided we'll just bend this one off. You know, you look at it and you've, you've was it so twelve changes I think in the end. And like Ulster have some talent there, but it's too many changes to make in one go. In what is is a derby match? You know, you want to sort of put your best foot forward. You're thinking, I know it's like a was it a six day turnaround? But I thought I thought the lineup was a wee bit a wee bit disappointing. So you can easily go into that with a mentality where you're looking around, you're know, like, ah, oh, all the best people haven't turned up. What, what's the point? You know, but they actually went out. And a lot of those players had a point to prove, obviously thought there's places to be won. And the the attitude was spot on. So in terms of mentality, I know there was a 17-point lead, and it sounds bad when you've blown that. But the wind, when you're watching it, the wind was significant, you know, when it's hard to run against that, it's hard to kick against it. So you're having to run the ball back. Most of the time you're defending, and there wasn't many missed tackles. I mean, the one missed tackle that they try, um Timothy slipped off of Cal Ford, but we just touched on the fact that he looks to be like a beast. You know, if he's going to get bigger, I'm terrified because he's huge already. And he he looks like a proper prospect for Ireland. Um, but they didn't miss many tackles. You know, they really made Conant work for the victory. And it could have actually gone either way, despite the fact us were working with limited ball. So I think in the circumstances, I would say attitude-wise, that's the best performance.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Like, it's, it's good to see. I think those guys were it was funny Dan McFarlane describing the team as uh, we're sending down really hungry 23 and that to me spelled disaster you're like <laughs> these are guys he's sending his cannon fodder but look, that wasn't the case at all it was unfair and like there are they're some very talented players in that bunch and um, they certainly put their hands up some of them so um, suppose on that note imagine Jack for a second you're Dan McFarlane this week and Um this is the coach's chair segment, a nice segue into it. What will be the key takeaways from that game? What would you be hammering home this week if you're Dan McFarlane, the Ulster?
3: So I guess thinking about it from a from the perspective of you know, what are we gonna, you know, how are we gonna look back on on this on this first you know few weeks, you know, three you know, three uh three games in, two from you know, um two two wins, one loss, you know, and think about okay, what have we what have we achieved in, in these in these first three games? Okay, the first one escaped Parma with uh, with a win, scored a load of, boatload of points. Great. Defense was rubbish. Second game, we went in really good sort of level of performance, but again, sort of defensively, sort of some lapses and maybe not enough in the attack, but things are starting to click. And then this game is a little bit of a mix of everything. Really, really good defense at some points and really good patience at some points. Um, and then some quite good, you know, clinical attacking at, at, at times that that allowed us to get into a pretty, pretty healthy lead. But again, there's always gonna be there's always gonna be things that you're gonna have to work on. And I think in terms of just managing um, you know, managing a lead, making sure that you can keep the ball and not give away silly penalties, because again, I think the discipline was really poor in the second half because it just allowed Connett a load of easy access, which was similar to zebra so there's an aspect there's more there's more positives than there are negatives because as we as we kind of continue we're in we're in better shape as we go into sort of 60 odd minutes things like that so i'd say that we need to try and manage um you know the scoreboard and manage the actual game as a whole and that seems a bit odd but we didn't sort of manage that second half well at all i don't think we had really any sort of territory apart from you know one break and one try it was pretty much all in our own sort of half if not our own you know 22. so just managing territory possession because if you haven't got the ball you're not going to win so if we just had managed that and played a little bit more down in clinton's kind of half then we put ourselves in a bit more of a opportunity to run the clock down and, and, and win that match so again remain positive um but again working on I, as well I'd say that not to put too fine a point on it, but you know the the, the depth of that 2023 20, was not the same as what Conant had. Conant had some real kind of firepower coming off that bench, so that's always going to make. So i you know, you're kind of putting a few guys down, but again, you're 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 putting a realism kind of um, you know slant on it because. know that's a tough ask to go down there and win so to go to go there and get a losing bonus point you know that's a great kind of um result um you know if you're thinking about beforehand the two teams going up no one's given us a chance really so remain positive but again it's a step up again um this week yeah yeah
0: No, i think that's that's fair like i think dan will have to focus on the positives and and rightly so building from a relatively, I'd say, sort of average to poor start, despite the um the wins, uh, I, I think look, I think we have grown as a, as a team in the in the in the first few games. Um, and look, on that note, as soon as turn to fergus now, was there anyone? Obviously, you're saying these guys did a great job, and you know, it was tough circumstances and all that. But are there any of those guys who are actually put their hands up to? Being a starting team, any sort of maybe left field choices you'd say, you'd say, You look, you played well, we'll give you a start this week.
5: I'm not I'm not sure how left field he is now, but Harry Sheridan, I think, has definitely put his hand up as someone who needs to play. Um, I think you're probably right what you said earlier, but he's probably gonna naturally develop into a, a six on the on the blind side. But he he was sort of again busy around the pitch. Um, If he took the ball, he generally made yards. He made that one fantastic break. Um, He took some line-out ball. So I think he really, uh, he's a really good prospect. I do have a slight inside track. I've got a mole on the inside of the Ulster camp who told me that, I think it was the summer before last, and he's a friend of this podcast as well. You had him on. Yeah, that's right. Good lad, yeah. And he basically just said he was trying to bulk and he's eaten everything. And I think you can tell that like he's he's physically growing He's packed on the muscle, and that's what my inside source told me as well. Is that he, uh, he really dedicated himself to, to getting bigger. And also, interestingly, um, again, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but they obviously have like the school feeder system into the Ulster squad. So Harry Sheridan's one that came, one of the very few that came through Sullivan Upper. And I'm told that they think generally Sullivan Upper kids that come through are soft compared to Methody, Inst, and Campbell. But the one exception to the rule. Harry Sheridan. Harry, Harry Sheridan is made of granite. He's made of the red stuff, and I
0: really think an awful lot of him. So uh, I thought there was really interesting insight. That interesting, That's, yeah. 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 I, as, as two uh, Sullivan alumni ourselves, and <laughs> we don't fit them all, though. No, no definitely not. No. no, we mean, streets of Hollywood, like I don't
5: see that impression. But no, he, he's one. Um, I don't like being critical of players, right? So. Uh, I'll just go on the basis of this one game, because um, I think he's he's a nice guy. But one player who never really does enough for me is Matty Ray. He's he's not someone who, when I see him on team sheet, I'm thinking, yes, there's a guy who's going to take the ball, you know, make yards, take Leonard ball, turn over a ball. And I do feel a bit bad singling him out. And I don't think he even asked me to, so I don't actually need to. But he's one player I just I never look at and think he's really doing enough. And he's even, even in terms of stature. When I say Harry Sheridan's really filled out, I'm not sure he really has, and he's probably hitting mid 20s now. So, you know, most players didn't do themselves uh, or did themselves justice and, you know, were putting their hands up. But I, I think uh, yeah, Harry Sheridan's the one that he's definitely in. Um, and I think Shannon, at least off the bench as well, we, we all know what a good option he is in waking off. And I think there's probably a genuine debate as well about uh, who plays 10, whether it's Flannery or Burns. Um, and I think actually, maybe it's yeah, towards Flannery. I think he, uh, Know although he missed a crucial kick, um, I thought his overall game was very good. I thought he was with a limited body, he had, he can the game well.
0: Yeah, no, I think Flannery will take confidence from that. Um, I, I'm someone again, it seems to be an unpopular opinion. I really rate Burns. I think Burns is a great player. I think it's been hard at times playing behind the pack that's not going forwards, and that's always difficult. I like to see Burns through the I, I think he, he he has another dimension to his game that we don't always get to see just because because of the way we play. But um, yeah, I agree. Look, I think your assessments right there. I think there's in terms of your your form tracker, who's gone up in your estimations and who maybe hasn't. And I think that's fair enough. Um, there's Marcus Ray rate very highly uh, as well. Like he'll he'll come in. Um, another one, Sean Raffle, who who Ulster signed but hasn't really played and. I think they've even stopped sort of including them in injury lists or just like you you can take it as ready. Yeah, he is injured.
4: Um, Yeah. Yeah. He's he's, he's
0: still injured. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So, like, it'd be great to see a wee bit of Sean Raffle. He's sort of your. Classic seven leads to the groundhog and gets in wins balls, chop tackles all day long. Um, And, and we could use that depth. But um, I, I have to say, say we could use that. Uh, our back row is probably one of our strongest, strongest areas of, of our squad. You know, so... Um, In terms of, and and just touching this very briefly here, Stephen, but um, as I'm saying, look, a lot of Ulster fans, myself included, we don't get the chance to always watch Connacht and keep track of the players. You've helpfully filled us in who the, the exciting players are. But how have Connacht been this season in terms of, you mentioned the atmosphere, but maybe give us a quick recap of of, ex, of how it's gone and maybe talk about the expectations for this season, will be successful for Connacht this season?
6: Yeah, it's 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 been a great start to the season. You can kind of get ahead of yourself, but you have to be realistic as well. It's been three home games to start. Um, you know, compared to last year where we had I think four in our first five games, we had four of the previous year's semi finalists. Uh, we had one win in the first five starts. We so was very very negative, and we were you know we were desperate for a win at, at at certain stages. This season we haven't had that as tough of a start, but we started brilliantly. We're three wins from three. Um, without getting ahead of ourselves, the the, the aim is still top eight kind of need champions cup rugby to continue progressing and as we've seen realistically the urc now all you have to do is get to that last date and you never know what's going to happen you don't you don't have to finish first second or third um so kind of that's still the aim with the start that we've gotten now maybe you could start looking at maybe sixth fifth sixth maybe is possibly your your kind of ceiling um I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, oh, yeah, we can go on and, and finish top of the league because we can't. We just don't have the team or the squad for that. But you've, you've given yourself a really good chance of getting that top six spot and definitely top eight, which is is what Connacht need. We need consistent Champions Cup rugby just for, you know, helping sign players, getting more funding in, uh, which is huge. <laughs> the, the hopes are high. You know, attitudes are very, very positive. But I think it would be very sensible for Connacht fans to remain uh, just a little bit grounded as well. The next five games are are, are all tough, tough games down in South Africa. You've Leinster coming to town or sorry going up to Leinster um to, to play them, I think. Oh no, sorry, that actually is a home game. But you have a tough stretch games coming up now where you you know it's not out of the realm that you could have three wins after seven games while having three wins after three games, you know? And that's unfortunately is the life you kind of live as a Connacht fan. You have to you have to take the highs and the lows but hopefully uh maybe one or two more wins from that that's that trip but overall very positive we just have to have to keep going.
0: Yep, no absolutely. And turning now from Connaught to Munster. And as I say, Caelan's joined us and we're uh, grateful for him rushing to, to join the pod. You know, he, he rushed back in the train there. So um and that's because Ulster of course are facing Munster back in Friday night lights at uh, Ravenhill uh, this Friday night. So um, Caelan, first of all, just as Stephen did there with, with Connett, could you give us a bit of an update on how Munster have got on this season? Who have been the standout players? Maybe some of the less familiar names uh, that have really stood out so far this season, and sort of the reasons for optimism, which I I always sense optimism from you, Caelan, about Munster. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. give, give the, the daily Munster tweets that you put
1: out. <laughs> I I've been I'd be prone to a bit of positivity at the best of times I suppose, but no, um, Peter, it's it's been a good start. I think it's easy to look at it and say, you know, just they drew a Benetton, you know, the the probably the toughest test. But Benetton, as as everyone knows, as as Connacht fans and Ulster fans know as well, are a very very tough team to beat away from home, especially when you're without your your frontline players. And I think that's the prism that you look at Munster's start of the season through is the fact that. They've had no, you know, they've been down what two props, they've been down a hooker, three second rows, a back row, two scrum halves, a 10, and about four back three players through injury, the, those ones specifically through injury. So, considering that they're unbeaten three games, start of the season, it might be the bare minimum, but the fact they've done it so impressively has been important. And, you know, you touch on who stood out like, a lot of the headlines would instantly go to the youngest player who plays well, be it Tony Butler or Brian Leeson, but the likes of Calvin Nash, like 26 years of age, he has found out how to be an elite winger in this game in the last two seasons, since Mike Prendergast came along and like he's, he's been sensational first two games. saw Shane Daly um, at fullback as well. But uh, the one that I'm really excited about is the midfield and seeing um, the Alex Nankavell, I suppose his emergence into the squad, new signing from the Chiefs, um, came straight over from them, and then Antoine Frisch, who didn't play at the weekend. But two suave, classy centers won't make too many mistakes, but they'll get you go forward and they'll get you into the wide channels very easily and will probably defensively link up. Skim will link up quite well because Nagavel is a very strong edge defender. So Really exciting there. And then, you know, like one stat that I pulled up for our, the Twitter page during the week was Munster's average age of their team against the Dragons was 24 and a half years of age. If you take out the two 35-year-old tight head props that we had, that goes down to 23 and a half. So like it's a very young squad that's in there at the moment and still to be able to bring back Crowley, Casey, O'Mahony, Byrne, Murray. I'm hearing possibly we'll probably see maybe someone like Connor Murray, possibly Ty Byrne at the weekend. Jeremy Luckman as well. So ma- mainly because he started, he decided to bring back Ian Henderson, the boys into training first thing Monday morning. So you can blame yourselves for that one. But uh, no, it's it's been a good start. I couldn't really ask for more. And the only thing is I, I said it here last year, going to Belfast for a Munster fan is usually, oh, we've lost again in Belfast um, without competing. So compete first of all, and and maybe some last minute heroics again. Yeah. Are you coming up for the game, uh um... I will not. No, I've... I would gladly sit on the couch if I can, as, as we we're on about trains, if I can get home in time, first of all, because Galway City trains are not very reliable. If I can get home in time on the couch and enjoy it and hopefully I win.
0: Yeah, it's it's you're missing out. We have a lovely new plastic pitch I've been going on about for a while now, right? So excited to show you around it. But um, in terms of uh, the, the strongest team now, Ian, we're, this is a game which Dan McFarland has clearly been targeting. Maybe you can give us a, a whole team. You If you want to pick a team, fine, but give us a few Kielster players we can expect to see starting against Munster and maybe touching any areas we're looking a bit light. This is your opportunity to do Ian's lock stocks as well
4: hi um great right, Teddy where you go sir <laughs> I had confidence my um, look it's difficult to know uh, whether that list that you that you read out earlier uh, if all those guys are going to be available for selection we have to assume that the three guys coming back from the World cup are available and will start so um, that's going to bolster. You know the the pack quite a bit with uh, Hendy and Herring going back in there. Uh, so and they and they are key men. Uh, McCluskey um, again in in the uh, midfield. Uh, Caelan touched on it there, like uh, monster or are, are humming in midfield at the minute. So uh, we need to be up up for the game. It's a question then of who you play at thirteen if Hume isn't available. Um, do you trust Stuart Moore at thirteen, or do you bring Curtis back in? Who's a who, who's maybe not as flamboyant as 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 Moore, but he certainly uh, is hard enough, and he doesn't miss too many tackles. Um, I'd like to see Cooney back. Um, I think he he controls the game better, and uh, against Monster, uh, it's a, it's going to have to. It's all about control. Um, and then, in you know, in the in, in the front row, it's that's coin toss job, isn't
0: it? Yeah. So, look, in terms of, um, we'll turn to talk about the um, what else we will to improve now. In terms of what what we need to do if we hope to beat Monster at home, this should be a winnable game and a very tricky game. Um, but, uh, Fergus, what do you think? What do we need to improve this week?
5: Yeah, I I think it's difficult whenever you again. Like Ian was saying there, it sort of depends fit and what the, the team's gonna look like. But if you have any combination um, like the back three um from last week or even Stockfield or makes such a difference. Because when you do have a plastic pitch and it's whatever the weather is, it does lend itself to good running rugby, it's gonna favor those kind of fast backs. And I think don't know about the cutting edge, you know, you had what Sexton, Moxham, McElroy, you know, if you had have had um a back three. Uh, bringing in, you know, Laurie, Stark, Bale, and Ballicoon, um, down at Conant, I think it could be a different result. So that'll make a massive difference. Um, I think in the pack, again, I've already touched on lineouts. I think it's really important. You know, the set pieces, the scrum needs to be secure. We um, need to win their own lineout ball. And then whoever comes in at hooker, whether it's uh, Tom Stewart, um, who is an absolute trying machine with lovely legs, <laughs> um. <laughs> Or uh, Rob Herring comes back in. That's a massive upgrade mm-hmm. as well. Because although uh, I think uh, John Andrew as a third choice hooker is decent, he's just not as dynamic as those two. So some of those big players coming back in, and if Henderson does start, all of that will make such a massive difference. Um, I think Dave McCann in the back row alongside Timoney, Um yeah, it'll be a, a transformed team uh, with a bit more experience in there, and again, if he comes in again makes a massive difference. But it's hard to predict because I suppose I predicted last week going away to Conant, thinking a strong team would be named. We don't know what the team's going to look like, um, but I think yeah, if they can get a good set piece and if they can get some you know real attacking pace out wide and at fullback, um, I think they might just have enough to
0: snatch yes, effect yeah yeah well that's hope so anyway and look um before we move on it's going to ask asking for a couple of predictions here but I want to uh give you a difficult question here Stephen and this is really a test um to see whether you're going to put Connacht ahead of uh, of Ulster in the, <laughs> the final uh, league table so in terms of all the provinces Stephen where do you think they might rank at the end of the season
6: is the season not over I thought we won three games (laughs) in right I thought it was a uh, no I I actually have the three other Irish provinces finishing the top three of the table I think Leinster will finish first I think Munster will finish second Uh, I still think Ulster will finish third and then I'm hoping Connacht finish I think six would be a great season uh, for Connacht Uh, I'm not getting carried away it's the early start like, <laughs> I know, like, we're top of the league. There's one, it there was three points separating first and ninth. So, like, if this weekend goes bad, we could be like sixth or seventh. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm remaining hopeful that we can still get that sixth spot. I think Leinster, even though I'm delighted that they lost in the first uh, weekend, just because we don't have to listen to undefeated talk for the whole season. Uh, I think Munster are really, really good. And they scared the crap out of me this year. Uh, I still think Ulster are a decent team. Ulster are kind of. You know they're they're sort of a victim of how good they are, the sense because like you know they're not bad enough that if they that if they lose you're not pissed off. But then are they the level of of Leinster? No, you're kind of stuck in that unfortunate medium. Um, but I still think they're a really really solid team. I still think they'll be third or at worst fourth. It's just it depends on who else fits in. But yeah, I think I think that's my top three, and then I think hopefully Connacht would would get a sixth place. I think that would be a really really good season.
0: Yeah, well, look, Stephen, you know your audience and we appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it is mind games. I think it might be mind games. You're playing yourselves down and then make a late charge for a a sort of title uh, winning season. So um, I want to turn just very last thing. We're going to do a couple of predictions. So, um we'll start with Kaelin. um give us an insight into how you think this game will go i we'll want to hear a bit about performance but also crucially what will the outcome be
1: i i think it's always safer to say that ulster are going to win at home on a friday night in an interpro against monster because it's kind of happened most of my lifetime um <laughs> but at the same time i think this is set up to be a really interesting battle ulster have they have the tools to beat Munster. They have the tools to beat every Irish province. I believe that, especially at home. But, and we'll probably talk about it in in our own pod this week, like with a 4G pitch and with a a squad that usually goes for power, like does the Ravenhill fortress become as much of a thing? Like you, you always consider it of, of being not, I don't want to use dirty in, in the wrong term. I don't mean cynical, but just a down and dirty type of game. That's, what I think Ulster be better off doing, but again the pitch talk is is for another day. That said, if they bring back Henderson, Herring, McCloskey is the big one for me because I think when James Hume went off the last day, they did look a little a little porous in defence. McCloskey, just he mightn't be the most vocal um defensive captain in in the world, but he is he just everything just runs so much smoother when he's there, and that that's on both sides of the ball. He's the one that I kind of be afraid of and I think Ian mentioned it earlier it would be a fascinating battle between the between both sets of centres but critically I think how do Munster stop Ulster I think they stopped them at first phase be it Maul be it first phase attack and how do Ulster stop Munster on the flip side I think they just slow things down and hope that that's enough like you give Crowley Casey Nankavell Frisch Calvin Nash and even the likes of say a Gavin Coombs and Alex Candellan Edwin Adogba, who I forgot to mention earlier, criminally. How did I forget to mention Edwin Adogba? I don't know. But if you give these guys front football for the whole game, it's it could be a long night for Ulster. But I, I do think they have the tools to 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 shut us down to a degree like Benetton did. won't be easy. I, I think a lot of that is going to have to come, though, from the back row stepping up and being, you know, I think it was mentioned already about maybe Ray or Sheridan, I can't remember. Being more than the sum of their parts, to to a small degree, playing bigger, playing um smarter, can they do it? I think they will. I think Ulster by maybe three points, they could be close, but it's it's one of those interpros are too close to talk, Call at the best of times. So yeah, I'll ju- I'll just say Ulster, and that's not playing to the audience. I said this last year as well that I don't tip Munster to win in Ravenhill because it doesn't happen often enough. So yeah. I'll stick I'll stick with Ulster.
0: Yeah, good man, Kealan. R- respect, appreciate that. Um, and Jack again, also tinted glasses on. We've talked before about Ravenhill. Maybe the atmosphere this year hasn't been as intimidating as we'd like. Fergus is advocating a lot more abuse last week. Abuse. <laughs> <laughs> we want a hostile a hostile environment at, at Ravenhill. But Jack, what, what's your prediction for this game? Briefly, just in, in terms of outcome.
3: Yeah, I think uh hinges for me on, on who's available, to be honest. I think that if if we go um if we go as strong as possible, actually to be fair, we kind of imagine Herring, Henderson and McCloskey will be back. So that they'll probably go straight into the um starting fifteen. Although yeah, I would stick them all back in. Um and um so yeah, I I do I do I do fancy us by by a score for this for this weekend. Um just because I think being at home, like, like Halen says, like, it's just, it's just hard to, it's hard to go against us when we're at home. And, um, the atmosphere should be a bit better, Fergus. I, I hear that it's nearly a, nearly a sellout. So hopefully, uh, it continues on that, um, uh, on that trend. And we'll get a good crowd in because everyone, everyone turns out for an interpro. So, um, yeah, hopefully there's a good crowd. And if there is, then they should be able to, uh, cheer the lads home. So, uh, yeah hoping for about Ulster by
0: five or six. Nice. And we'll, we'll finish in that very positive note. And hopefully that discussion has cleared up your confusion about how to fail after the Connett loss or more likely caused more confusion. In any event, I prefer to take away the positives. It was quite an entertaining game. We saw the emergence of some players, like uh, likes of Jake Flannery, James French, who we didn't know much about. Joe Hoops got a cameo very tall That's <laughs> all I can really say about him at this stage. Um, but you know, by all accounts, a very good player as well. Ruben Crothers, you know, we talked about him uh, sadly getting almost immediately injured, but like a guy that has a big future, as does Harry Sheridan. Um, other more established players, we mentioned Shannon, good game, got the ball away quickly. We might see more from him as well. Certain problems do persist, holding on to a lead. Um, some of those guys Coming in, the experienced heads like Sir Henderson and Herring provide a bit of leadership, might help in that regard. Maybe lack a wee bit of quality in depth in certain positions. Um, we mentioned the, the front row there and, uh, and the difficulties at tight head. That said, look looking back in last week, we had a depleted squad, but we have uh, some guys back fit and firing, and we might look like a different proposition this weekend. So it will be a huge test against Munster. McFarland has been targeting this game. Whatever happens, we'll be back next week to discuss the game and all things also rugby. Do me a favour, leave a review in the podcast, share it with your friends, follow it on whatever platform you use. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and we also have a Facebook group called The Red Hand. It's a private group. If you apply to join that, I'll most likely approve it. <laughs> take, a, take a quick look at who you are first. Um, but, look, thanks to the panel, Jack, and Fergus, Stephen and Kaelin, and thanks for listening. Really appreciate it.